I am back with two guys who are always up for a little reggaeton, right? Not the new stuff, right? I have no idea what that stuff is. <laughs> I am Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by Gene and Chuck. Say hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show on Twitter at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And we had our first NFL Sunday of the season. Congratulations, guys. We survived the, the long, dark nights of summer to fall into the beautiful sunshine of football for the next however many months. Five months, you get football every Sunday. It's a beautiful thing, right? I don't know how much sunshine you saw, but uh, I saw a lot of weather <laughs> delays. I saw a lot of I keep lightning. looking at the radar, and the entire North America is covered under light green rain. Are Miami and Tennessee still playing football right now? Is that game still going on? Is it made the third quarter yet? I feel like every basement in, in Cleveland has to be uh, has to be underwater. Was that game in Cleveland or Pittsburgh today? That game was in Cleveland today. Yeah. We had sloppy games all around the league, and, uh, and, and we're going to talk all about it. But um, we had the raw nerve edition uh, of uh, of Potadelphia on Friday night or very or uh, Thursday night or very early Friday morning where we talked about the Eagles game but now we had a few nights to sleep on it and how do we feel about the game now we were a little relieved but still kind of annoyed at the way that game went down I guess would be the nicest way to put it I, I'm just gonna say you guys did not seem very relieved at all that was the most <laughs> That was the most miserable win off of winning the Super Bowl I've ever encountered. Well, in my uh, defense, I have never un- experienced what it's like to win the Super Bowl and then play again. So, you know, it was no, my we're first not good time. at it yet. Yeah, we, oh, have to, okay. we have to practice. Yeah, next year we'll be much better at it. We'll be much better at it. Uh, I'm still calm. I'm still positive on the team. Have you guys gotten over the win yet or? <laughs> <laughs> I did get over the win, and I got to say, I'm really jacked about the defense now. After rewatching the game and 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 looking at it and sleeping on it, I'm really fired up about the way the defense played, and I really feel like we can just ride that D till Carson comes back. And that this is the first year in a long time I I can't remember the last time where we opened the season, so it was hard after the context of the preseason to see a game that didn't quite go into the next gear yet. So I think that part of my, um, maybe my dour attitude came from the fact that I was expecting some offensive fireworks or something. I expected to see a little more rhythm to the offense. But much like you said, Dave, I think the thing that we can take away from that game on Thursday is how good our defense has the potential to be. Like maybe historically good. We're going to be blowing people up. Opposing quarterbacks are not going to be comfortable during any game. As long as we don't put I our... I can't think of a line that's going to be able to... Like, we're going to be winning the trenches quite often. As long as we don't put our weight on any of these quarterbacks, we should be fine. <laughs> Listen, I put my full weight on every quarterback I can get my hands on. Full weight. I put my full weight on every quarter pounder I can get my hands on. I think uh, that quarter pounder puts its full weight on you. Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I um still really happy with the D. Um, I was happy with how composed they look. 
um, I've been repeating it a, uh, a few times uh, in the Raw Nerve podcast and you know, talking to you guys ahead of this uh, show that week one is really the, the last week of the preseason. It's the, in my head, it's the only preseason game that matters. This is the time the starters are really finding the rhythm. You know, there's going to be a lot of ugly games. You know, we Wait, saw did a you lot say today. Week, week one is the most important game of the preseason? Yes, I did. That is hilarious. Well, well thank I, you. I didn't want people to just miss that. That was because that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for pointing out my joke. <laughs> a joke is always better when you explain it. Um, but but it's true. I, I stand by that statement because, okay, the game finally counts. People are finally playing, you know, at the right speed. Starters are finally playing more than what a quarter, maybe a half. Maybe you get a half um, of the starters playing. Probably not all of the starters. So it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be sloppy. We see a lot of big upsets week one. So my expectations were pretty damn low, and you know, survive, survive. It was survive. I was really happy with the way the defense looked. And I was happy that the offense found some productivity in the second half. I think. Yeah. That, I, go ahead, Gene. I think that context means everything. And watching around the league today, seeing some other teams and getting the idea of kind of where the good teams are at, I felt so much better about specifically our defense. There were some good teams who just don't look quite up to the same level defensively as our as the Eagles are. They they just they just don't look quite as polished. The Eagles defense has such poise. Um there were other teams that faced a lot of those same situations that we faced early in the game on Thursday that um just didn't quite stack up the same way that we did. Um very seriously at the end of the game, I was a lot less worried about the situation than I probably should have been. Um, it felt partly because of the whole deja vu effect is here we are again. It's fourth and, you know, four downs and goal to go. And I really kind of believed that they were going to make that goal line stand partially based on how they had played the whole game. They had, would you call it, would you call it that you were eerily calm? I was eerily calm. Cause I was eerily calm. I wasn't pacing behind the couch. Like I usually do. Or like biting my hat or, you know, any of those crazy things I get when I'm super anxious. I was I had this crazy eerie calm about it that we were going to find a way to stop them. We had seen them march down the field early in the game and we had seen the defense put together the correct combination. It's almost like they were, you know, stealing signs or something. They were they were just able to to know kind of what was going to come at them. I'm just so surprised that Atlanta didn't try to run. I, yeah. They threw four passes there, or five passes. Did you, did you, uh, did you see the clip of uh, Jim Schwartz throw, flipping his headset off um, after the final play? After the like, the actual final play or the play where there was the penalty? No, I think it was the, fi- it was the final play. They were walking Okay, when the, the game was over. No, I didn't see that clip. Off and just threw it. 
uh threw it up like yep another day at the office yeah. <laughs> it was a real like ca- like nonchalant like we're out of here another, if you, another victory if you listen to any of the defensive players talk after the game they are so bought in to what he does like they all truly are completely bought in to what schwartz calls are we 100 um, percent losing him after this season I, I thought we were 100% losing him after the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, like, we're so lucky we still have him. <laughs> like, I really honestly thought, like, I'm hoping that there is somebody, maybe the linebackers coach or the defensive line coach is just sponging everything they can up off of this system. Schwartz has had a chance to be a head coach and did not have a great. Didn't Should have we just make success. him our head coach? I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of Doug clones out there this That's week. Drastic. Did you watch the you know watching the games this week? Did you get a lot of did you get the feeling that there's a lot of coaches that watch a lot? Oh, of, it's fourth down free for all, man. Yeah, you watch a lot of Doug clones out there this week. Yeah, but they don't have the horses to pull it off. No, there were so many like fourth and, and middle yardage on the other uh, you know on the the your side of the fifty where people have gone for, were going for it and not making it, and it made yeah, me really appreciate the, the stallion. Yeah, it made me really appreciate what Doug does. Or I feel like Doug also knows what to call in those situations and has a really good sense of when to gamble and when to kick. You have to be an insane person to be insane. <laughs> Seeing people pretending to be insane, it, it just doesn't work. So right. Doug is perfect uh, to play that style. <laughs> and I, I fully trust Doug. He He does seem like a great, you know, in-game coach. You know, we all... We you know, we associate him so much with Andy Reid, who was a horrible in-game coach. You know, he had his, what, you know, first quarter scripted, his first 15 plays, whatever. And then the moment he had to make in-game adjustments, you just were done. You know, you those first 15 plays always seem to do well. Yeah. Should have scripted, like, the first 60. <laughs> the Eagles really running up the score today. <laughs> oh, we thought we'd be down. <laughs> so can we can we talk about the Philly special too again? I mean, we kind of we kind of uh, touched upon it on uh, Friday morning, but uh, we have a, a little bit more information about it now. I guess yeah, so way that more information. Much information about I can't it. believe we didn't just immediately say like, yeah, that was the play that the Patriots ran. It took me a while to process it because I had to see it in replay to realize the. I mean, the main difference is that the one that we ran in the Super Bowl was a direct snap to the running back. And the uh, the play that we right, ran but we were all Thursday. just like, oh, it's a variant. He yeah. put a twist on it or, or whatever. But then then you look at it side by side, and it's literally they, he took it right out of Belichick's playbook. Even does like it I change, think that, does it change your perspective of that play at all? I'm going to hop in because we have even more information than that. What was run is not Philly special too. It is Philly Philly. I think they ran it because the statue said Philly Philly. Okay, so. So Foles asked for Philly Philly, but he got Philly special. Yes. And that's why we really? won the Super Bowl. Yes. So Doug was like, good idea, but we're going to do, do this Philly other special one instead. My favorite part of that story has always been that when they ran it in practice, it always went horribly wrong. Like, Who throws a better ball, Trey Burton or Nelson Aguilar? Trey Burton throws a better ball. I mean, Trey Burton was a quarterback. Yeah. All right. Although, I mean, Aguilar has got his went for 15 yards. The thing that I the thing that I really appreciate though is I feel like the offense at that particular time was really beat. Like they were re- there was no rhythm. This the crowd was out of it. Doug runs not only like that play because he knows it's going to get the the crowd back into it, but 
I feel like it, in some way, this is a jab at the Patriots again. Because that, I feel like, was it Kelsey right after the game? Somebody right Lane after the, Johnson. Lane Johnson right after the game was like, that's the Tom Brady play. Like, you know, in the huddle, they're all like, yeah, we're going to run the Tom Brady play. Nick, you better catch it. You know, I think I think the actual quote is that's the one where Tom dropped the ball. Right. So, you know, in the huddle that they're all they're all jazzed up to be like, yeah, let's let's put another one in in Brady's eye. Because I think that they're pissed about the way that preseason game went. Like, I think that they're pissed that the Patriots came out and they they were kind of ran it up on them. Um, So I feel like the rivalry, even from across you know, across the weeks is this may go on all season. You may see all kinds of weird in-game kind of shots across the bow messages to Belichick because I just I feel like Doug's just got his nemesis now. Is this like creeping up on on the um, the precipice of like all the teams that could potentially make the Super Bowl? Right. So we're not talking about like. I don't know the Cowboys making the Super Bowl. Uh, is the is a rematch of last year's Super Bowl possibly the best thing for the NFL at this time? Like just taking you know regionalism out of it. So I mean, you you mean like storyline wise? Like if you're Team TV, if you're not really a fan yeah, of either yeah, exactly, team, exactly. you just your Team TV. I'm always Team TV. I think obviously it would look like two Titans going at it again. I feel like that would be a really easy storyline to sell. You know, I I agree. I think especially uh, the quote after the game and the preseason hype. And, you know, they'll start talking about it, you know, pretty early in the season if it looks like it's going to be, you know, Pats winning the AFC and the Eagles winning the NFC. Like, they're going to start talking about it, like, mid-season. It's like, oh, the road to the Super Bowl rematch. And when's the last time we had a Super Bowl rematch? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I, here's the here's the path I would love if the Eagles were to repeat this year. The path that I would most because like that's the only see. way they play each other again is in the Super Bowl, right? They aren't yeah, they aren't on playing. each other's schedule, right? The path I would most like to see is I would like to see the Eagles play in some combination in the playoffs, uh, the the Rams to get the golf Wentz thing again. Yes. Stick another finger in their eye with that. Uh, then the Vikings. And I don't care what order we get them in because screw those people. And then the Patriots again. That would just be the most beautiful repeat scenario in my mind. And I want the Rams here and I want the Vikings here again. Well, they're all coming no, here. With the, I want the Vikings in Minnesota. <laughs> you want the Vikings here again? No, no he I wants want the Vikings, Vikings in Minnesota. He wants to go back to their house. <laughs> and I want Philly fans to go there and show them what it really means to take over a city. Seriously, with like cheesesteaks on like the Viking horns. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Philly fans will go to their parking lot and throw beers at them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's true. <laughs> In our Labor Day overall uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I love it. We've totally gone off the rails. This is perfect. It's beautiful. <laughs> What do we want to go to next? We want to go how the NFC East did this week. Do well, we the one thing about? I wanted to touch on before we get too far away from Thursday's game is like, sure. do we really think that beating Atlanta still has a little juice to it? Like, was Atlanta a good squad? Does that win? Is that win going to carry some weight? Um, you know, or do we think that Atlanta wasn't quite the team that we were expecting to come in here? Chuck, do you have a thought on that? I do. Um, it, it goes back to my 
thought on, on week one across the board. I think Atlanta is still a good team. I think the the way their offense moved the ball, I was going to say up and down the field, but I mean, they moved it for 95 yards. Great. You know, just getting in the end zone was hard, but they, they are a talented team. They're a composed team. It's somebody I'm still, I don't want to say worried about, but somebody I, I imagine, you know, will be competing for, you know, their division and, you know, maybe we'll see them in the playoffs. So no, the, this week one doesn't diminish, you know, my thoughts. I don't think Atlanta's a bad team. Yeah, I, I I would just caution against overreaction theater. I mean, we only played one week of football. Don't let that change what you know to be true um, about a lot of these players already. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk talk a lot about that um, moving forward because a lot of interesting things happened this week. The only thing I want to just add to that is. Is there? Do you think there's any stock to be put in the fact that maybe like when they would get in inside the twenty, the palms would get a little sweaty, and that they maybe pressed a little too hard, tried to get a little too cute to try and 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 do some things to get in the end zone. The Falcons. And and do you think that that's just a case of like you know that's us perceiving it because I, I don't know I just I've never seen an offense with that many weapons just be that like. I'm going to use the word that impotent when they got inside the 20. Is that our defense or was that that they were trying to do something cute? They just kept, I don't understand that last drive. It really boggles my mind. You don't try to run there at all. Well, five downs, you don't run. If you run, if you run the, you know, the counter argument is, well, why aren't you trying to get the ball to Julio? It's your best player. You know, live live and die by your best play. Yeah, I don't know. But they get I, in there with a timeout, and at least then you've got to res- you've got to pull somebody up. You've got to respect the fact that maybe that it'll happen. We the champs, baby. You know, people are going to get nervous coming in here. Uh, you know, they want to do something. <laughs> when you play in the champ, you know you're going to be a little nervous. I think. You know, you're not playing the damn Browns. <laughs> yeah, people going nuts over there. Got championship banner hanging up in the rafters. <laughs> Be the damn champs. <laughs> and I didn't know this. The team didn't come out for the the banner being raised and Malcolm Jenkins demanded that all of the Super Bowl stuff come out of the locker room. I love Malcolm Jenkins. Uh Malcolm Jenkins was the guy with the the quote of I'm happy they booed us. Yeah, he's I mean he's definitely Dawkins light. Yeah, he's <laughs> the he's the spiritual predecessor, you know what I mean? Or the the successor. Successor, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's team. just like um it's like just like the Flyers can't have a good goalie, the, the Eagles always have to have a good safety. <laughs> All right, we're on top of it. We're jumping ahead to Carter Hartwatch right now. <laughs> no, Carter, stay back. Okay. Stay at, you stay at the Phantoms, Carter. Don't you come up here yet. So since we were talking about the Atlanta Falcons, should we move to the rest of the, what is it, the NFC South? Should we talk oh, a little geez. bit more about that division? Because I feel like that was the storyline of the day as far as, you know, a division having a day. Yeah, well, uh, so our our next uh, opponent is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that game's in Tampa, right? That game is in Tampa, yeah. With no Carson Wentz. But uh, we get to see Harvard. <laughs> Well, Foles Folly goes down to uh, goes down to Tampa to play. Uh, what's what is, what's the Fitzpatrick, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick, the bearded wonder. Yes, graduate of Harvard. Red beard, the pirate. Too good for Buffalo. 
Now, this game, what was it? Forty-eight to forty. Is that forty-eight what the final to forty? Score was? Yeah. Uh, Tampa won this game in New Orleans, and they they were slinging it all over the place. It was just bombs dropping everywhere. Yeah, I pulled some. I pulled some stats from this game. Basically, both teams decided we're not running the ball anymore. We're not running like, the ball, and we're there's no such thing as defense. What did who's the, what's the uh, running back for New Orleans? Alvin Kamara. Bush. Yeah, Kamara. Well, Kamara's got stuff to say about us, but he, I mean, he didn't have uh, a great game on the ground, right? They uh, forty three yards rushing. So yeah, they pretty much abandoned that. But, but he had an okay day through the air. Throws for 417 yards and four touchdowns? 417 and four TDs. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I've he, seen this guy play for what, like seven teams? Yeah, yeah. He, the the Texans, the Bills. Uh, did he do a stint at the Browns? I feel he like played I've, the Browns, Denver. Right? That kind of guy, right? Yeah. So this is what I go back to. Do not let week one tell you, you know, differently than what you already know to be true. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be the MVP of the league. Do you think Deshaun Jackson might be the MVP of the league? Because he was running around like it was 2010. Dude, this burns my ass because <laughs> he should still be an eagle. Yeah, he should have never left. Chip Kelly. I think he should still be an eagle. I'm pissed. I'm still pissed that he's not an eagle. Yeah, no, I don't understand why he ever got – was it traded or did he just not get – no, did they just, they just, just cut straight him. cut. Yeah, that was I, so stupid. I got Bradley Cooper in goddamn movies wearing Deshaun Jackson jerseys. He's just playing for the freaking Redskins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have a uh, a, a news- God damn you, Chip Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I have a newspaper with him, The Miracle of Meadowlands Two. I have it hung up in my in my house. Yes, that's part of Eagle history, and he's not even on the team anymore. And not because he didn't want to be on the team. So no. I still got love for Djax. Yeah, no, I have no nothing but nothing but respect for Djax. I actually kind of thought he might come back. Him. Yeah, so he looked actually in pretty good form today. Although he doesn't have the he doesn't he doesn't do sixteen games anymore. Usually by about week six or seven, he kind of fades. He doesn't have that kind of. I don't know. He didn't have the legs, I guess, anymore. So he had five five receptions, one hundred and forty six yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, no, he looked good today. And Mike Evans on the other side had seven receptions, 147 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, they both. They, I mean, they look like, I don't know, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice on, you know, on opposite sides of each other. They just look like nobody could cover them in it in New Orleans. Which I, there's always this game always happens in New Orleans with this team that you just don't expect. I knew good, it was somebody last year it was like the same situation, right? Yeah, I feel like it was. Somebody, Maybe not in that Carolina division. or something like that. Somebody it got like off the that. rails, and you had this like 50 to it 50 It just becomes score. a track meet, yeah. It makes me feel better about having to go to New Orleans, though, that maybe we can, you know, we can put some points up. Well, I, I just don't want any uh, any part of them in a dome. We need all these dome teams to play outside in Philly. Um, But uh, so I mean, what do we think the line is even going to be at this for this game? Well, I thought it was going to be like six and a half for towards the Eagles, honestly, but I, I don't know now. I really uh, I thought that after coming off of a win, because I expected Tampa Bay to get beat up today. I really did. I thought they would go down there and it was going to be like 35-10 New Orleans. That I thought that was an absolutely realistic score. I thought that New Orleans has all these offensive weapons. Tampa Bay can't get out of their own way. Tampa Bay has a terrible defense that they were just going to get run up on. So now that Tampa Bay puts up all these points, 
do the you know do does money because that's the thing is Tampa Bay is going to be a sexy pick at home to beat the champs, you know that they're going to have all this mem- momentum. So I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be betting Tampa Bay to beat us. So you might see that line be like Eagles by three, maybe Eagles two, you know, Wait, which Eagles is minus two Eagles. No, I think the Eagles are still going to be favored. I really do, hmm. but I don't think yeah, they're I... going to be favored by much. I'm inclined to disagree. I, I think when when they don't know, you know, when there's something that can't be explained, they tend to go with the the obvious and go, all right, so, you know, Tampa is the home team. That gives them automatic, you know, three-point advantage. You know, let's say the Eagles are the better team. So I think it'd probably be more like Tampa, you know, minus one. Tampa minus two, something like that. So they have a, a slight advantage, but less than that of the the typical home team. Do you think that's remotely close to what the reality of the game will be, though? I, uh, I don't. We're know. not talking over under. Uh, we're talking over under. No, I mean, like, do you really know. think that those two teams are that are that close? You know what I mean, talent wise. You know, do you really think that they're going to play? A pretty even like I really believe that Atlanta and Philadelphia are pretty close talent wise like it doesn't surprise me that they played a close game the game the way it played out not necessarily what I thought but the result of them being within a score doesn't surprise me I feel like we are definitely two scores or more better than Tampa Bay I just think that we're a deeper better organized certainly better defensively I just think we're a better team all around than Tampa Bay. I think that Tampa Bay hit some sort of weird rhythm, got into, you know, Fitzpatrick is a streaky guy, and I feel like he's going to come in overconfident. He's going to make a mistake early against this defense. He's going to get pressured like he hasn't been pressured in a long time, and I feel like this is this I am the opposite amount of confident than I was or confident the opposite way than I was this week. I feel like the Eagles are going to go in there and really destroy. Well, that's cause for alarm. That's cause for alarm for me. Let's go. <laughs> because let's I'm whole, confident? Let's, yeah, let's do the old position by position. So quarterback, you got Nick Foles versus Fitzpatrick. Who has the edge? I'm going to say push. I actually kind of agree with that because I feel like they're, they're, they both have that same tendency to be boom or bust. That's okay. exactly what I was thinking. That is exactly what I was thinking. And if you look at Nick Foles, and I heard this stat, I don't know if it was on ESPN or something, but if you look at his quarterback ratings, he's got a ton of games at the low end of his quarterback rating. He's got a bunch of games at the high end of the quarterback rating. He has almost no average games. There is very little of the average Nick Foles. He's either bad or he's great. There is right. no, like, 225 yards, two touchdown Nick Foles. Like, that guy doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, running back, you'd probably have to give us the give us the edge on that. Yeah. Who's but, there? Who is there running back? Pierre Barber. Yeah. I, who I is he? Do anything he today? Doing? Yeah. But the, you know they probably didn't utilize. But I'll him. take Ajayi and uh, Sproles sure. and, and Clement. Yeah, I'll take that committee. I'll go. Yeah. With that. But wide receiver, you have to give the edge to. Yeah, but I mean, yeah it's we don't have Alshon, so that's our, you know. But, and you're, I but you're probably right. On defense, we probably sweep them. We have and a much better offensive line, too. Yeah, and that's all going to be the difference. And it's I think we have a be better offensive though. line than New Orleans. Yeah. 
All right. You want to move on? You want to talk about something else? Uh, do you want to talk about uh, what was the you other? Want to talk one? about our picks. Yeah, let's. I'm all about them. <laughs> what, I, why I, are you all about them, Chuck? I just want to get it over with. Because <laughs> you're over for two, you, you picked wrong again the Eagles, and then you took the Seahawks giving three, and you lost that one too. No, I took the Seahawks getting three. The Seahawks are getting three now. It doesn't. Oh, they were. Matter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now no, I understand the why they were getting the push. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> Gene, good job by you. You split. Yeah, yeah. I I had the Eagles game wrong, but uh, I felt really yeah, good about the <clears throat> about the Carolina game. Yeah, dude, dude. Dallas looked bad today. They have no, they have no options. There's, I still don't know if they've got any wide receivers. Like, still have no idea what they're going to do offensively. They're Ezekiel, they're Ezekiel Elliott, or they're nothing. Like, they that's literally the only thing they have on offense. It and Dak so Prescott doesn't look like he's got a ball that he can throw much. Like, if, if if there's a guy that's 20 yards downfield, I don't think Prescott can get it to him. It is so fun to watch Troy Aikman call a Dallas game when they're totally incompetent. And you got Jason Garrett. <laughs> Good job, guys. I'm pretty Give sure Jerry Jones. again for another year. I won't get fired. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jerry Jones was calling plays today. Oh, for the love of Christ. Um, I am 2-0. Called the birds game. Well done. Pat's given six and a half. They won by seven. Although I feel like that was a Slam gimme. Dunk, no I doubt feel like about that it. was a gimme. Which one? The Pat's game. I feel like was a gimme. I, I won by half point. How much yeah. of a gimme could it be? <laughs> Dave got both right. I got Dave none said, right. Like, that that game was, was that game was I, not as close as a touchdown though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. The Patriots. Patriots. It, Gene, how do you feel about the uh, the prop bet of the the Phil scoring more runs than the the Eagles getting points uh, for September so far? Um, I feel like I'm going to lose, but I feel like fifty five might be the right number. I feel like yeah, I feel like it's going to be closer than <laughs> you guys were like oh, 55. Yeah, well, no, I don't know. Um, the the thing though is uh, there's no way those Phil- <laughs> Phillies are going to score that many runs. <laughs> Uh, shall we talk about the Philadelphia Phillies? Yeah, I still got half a beer. I can talk about the Let me Phillies. Get my uh, barf bucket here. <laughs> Hang on. Wow. Okay, the Phillies are four games back of the Atlanta Braves. That seems uh, strangely like last Sunday. Yeah. Well, n- neither team has really been playing um, baseball. The as, sport of baseball, <laughs> as well as they had been earlier in the season. Uh, however, the Phillies have been playing much weaker opposition than the Braves have. Oh, this God. Um, so, we again, we lost two or three to the Marlins, and again, we lost two or three to the Mets. And I don't even know. We had two two golden opportunities to make up ground on the Braves. Uh, the Braves blew a 7-1 to lead. Uh, against the Red Sox this week? I was literally beaming as the Phillies game started. Like, I just could not wait to just celebrate picking up a game after the Braves collapse. But, you know, we were playing a rookie pitcher uh, for the Marlins that we had never seen before. So the computers were freezing up. They were glitching (laughs) because we don't know this guy's stuff. Cannot compute who to play. Gabe. 
Help me, Gabe. Where should I play defense? <laughs> well, and he was so throwing a 90. He, we make him look like Cy freaking Young. Yeah. We've never seen them before. And and he, th he, th he oh, I think Gabe was, came out and said, oh, he was throwing 95 miles an hour in, in the sixth inning. Yeah, he's a major league pitcher. That, that's Everybody what happened. Everybody throws 95. <sighs> Except Scott Kingery. <laughs> <laughs> So we had an opportunity to gain a game there that we blew. It's so funny. As, as soon as I saw that that starting pitcher was a rookie, I was like, well, we're true doomed. to form, we're doomed. <laughs> we're doomed. And then today, so uh, uh, this is the uh, the rubber match. Mm -hmm. We're finally going to win a series, but we're facing Jacob deGrom. So I penciled this in as another loss today. But wait, Dave. But, but wait. But I texted you today. Uh, I said, what happened? What happened? Why isn't DeGrom pitching? The drizzle scared him off. The Mets they, didn't uh, want him to to have to get yanked after a couple of innings and not be able to get a decision, I believe. In right, the, right, right, in right, the right. Cy so they're playing for, for postseason awards now. Yeah, the Mets uh, are playing for Cy Youngs. So Oswald <laughs> starts no relation. Someone we've beat in the past. Yeah, recently. And we get up on him. We chase him. Couldn't get it done today. He had 40 pitches in the second inning. I'm just we I'm, had two runs, but he had 40 pitches. <laughs> so we were into the bullpen early. The two runs is the more remarkable thing. I mean, with, uh... but we had the bases loaded with both in both innings, I believe, and we only had two runs. Yeah. I I don't know. I like, I don't know how intriguing it is to listen to me just be like exasperated. I'm done. I can't, it's 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 such it's so hard to get up to watching this these these games. So I feel like we have to have the conversation that's the only real conversation to have about this team right now is would we be better if there was a different manager on the bench? Because management went and got better players. From everything we can tell, the players themselves are ahead of schedule. Possibly, right? We did not expect them to even have been in contention or have this many wins just based on last year. So if the players themselves have shown that they are more adapt at the game and that management went out and acquired some pieces to try and uh, win the division, then where is the failure? And the thing that I feel like is left is the strategy, how the game is being approached. And that falls on the manager. So is the problem the manager? See, uh, it's a very hard question because, you know, we talk about the the team, you know, performing better than we thought they would. And uh, players looking like they've made these jumps from the previous season. And is that just another year of experience? Is that another year of talent? Or has Gabe done something to help them make that leap? If, if the players... I, I would love to get an honest answer from them. If they go, you know what, the way Gabe handles this clubhouse, we really feel comfortable to go out there and play our best. And, you know, it's really freed us up to, to make these. I don't know. How are they better? I mean, I was just going to say, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, they, you know, um, the hitting's not great, but it's, okay. Back when they were good back in July, you know, did Gabe make them a better team now then? But the 
the strategy I hate. And it's, I'm seeing like no real proof that all these little nitpicky, gimmicky decisions that Gabe's making are making any positive impact. Like none. There's no, there's no time I went, you know, that was, you know, you know, going to our closer in the sixth inning as opposed to leaving him to the ninth. That was really the decision that was that won us that game. I can't think of a single one of those instances that I'm thinking, yep, Gabe, you made the right call. So I would I would say not having all the information that this team would be better under a different manager. Going into this season, what did you expect their record to be? Five hundred? Like I, I was hoping for All right, about a five hundred team. Yeah, like I was hoping for a couple games above five hundred. If we were like okay, but three games above five hundred, that's what you were hoping for. But realistically, between eighty and eighty-five I, wins is where I thought they would be. Yeah. Okay, so, so five hundred team. So, uh, where do we sit right now? We're seventy-four and sixty-eight. Cool. Uh, we are the the Nationals are closer to us than we are to the Braves. We're three and a half ahead of the Nationals. We'll so probably chance, be in third place. I was going to say there's a chance the we could, this week. We could we could end up in third place by the end of the week. So at the end of the day, after all this shit happens, after we're in first, we're in third, we were back, we're we're close, we're treading water. At the at the end of the day, when all the computers have have spit out all the algorithms and the ticker tape is coming through and Gabe sending SOS signals and all this shit is going on. At the end of the day. We are what we thought they were, right? Yeah, if we still win like two games, team. if we win two games yeah. a week for the rest of the way out, yeah, we're a five hundred team. That and that's actually that pisses me off now, <laughs> because we had such a lead build up. You know, even I was expecting at some point, you know, the the wheels to come off. I was expecting it to happen, but it's happened so dramatically. And the, the the team's pathetic. We we're what nine wait, oh nine and one in our last ten series. I think I saw we're the worst team in the National League since like mid August. You know that's really bad. That's not just okay. We're you know we're losing more series than we're winning. We can't win a series we can't win a series against the marlins is baseball oh. season too long is that the problem have we played too many yeah, games yeah. If it was a 120 game season we would be in the playoffs but <laughs> I, th- I think i posted this on on facebook <clears throat> if gabe just said you are my starting nine i will rest you r- rotate you uh situationally uh change the lineup but for all intents and purposes, this is the core lineup. Uh, you know, if Kingery's batting eighth, you will learn how to hit eighth. There's a there's a different approach to batting in the eight hole. Well, I guess that's the pitcher's spot in this lineup. So if you're hitting in the seventh hole, there's a different approach to that than you are when you're hitting in the two hole or the three or leading off. Right. So guys are not learning their roles on this team. They're just it's again it's. Um, uh, it's whatever. It's a video game. You can just plug. Oh, this guy's the fastest. Plug. Put him into pinch run. Um, you know. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, Santana play third. I mean, I, I realize he can do it, but is it the right thing to do? Yeah, but he should play it like one game, and then you put in 
you move Cabrera over, who's a much more natural third bra- baseman. Or and where does Scott Kingery play naturally? Like, what is his natural position? Isn't he a natural second baseman? Yeah, uh, that's he what he plays for the Iron He's in the Lehigh Valley. So my feeling is, if he's a natural second baseman, he should be on the bench right now because he's not our best shortstop and he's well, not our best second baseman. Cesar Hernandez is now finally hitting. But for the longest time, Hernandez wasn't hitting, and I did not understand why Kingery wasn't just our everyday second baseman at that point. And why is it that we're playing Justin Bohr all the time, who strikes out a ton, instead of putting Reese Hoskins at first, if we're going to play Santana at third, and putting in a better outfielder? I don't know. Because we have Al, uh, we have Altair back, right? So we have another outfielder. Yeah. So we, we, we could be better defensively, too. I don't. That's the, these are the things I don't understand that he does. I, I, I mean, I swear to God, next year because this is also I'm I'm concerned about the free agent market at this mm-hmm. point. Do you want to play with this madman? Do you want to play under this madman? Bryce Harper uh, wants to play wherever or, there's money, so I feel pretty confident he's going to be in right field. Well, do, does he like catching? Because he may need to learn how to do that uh, if he wants to play for this team or pitching. Outfielders pitch on this team. I just thought I would not want to come here and be a part of this. Uh, Dave, that's something I didn't consider. <laughs> it's really turning me off. Is Manny Machado going to do that? Because he could play all the infield positions, I'm sure. And and, and he'll play all of them in one week. You know, <laughs> one game. What about if yeah. we have him play all of them in one game? We just move, move them around five times in a game. You get a trophy when you do that, right? And you switch hit from both sides of the plate? Yeah. yeah. It, the little bell goes off. Yay. You still lose the game. You unlock an achievement. Exactly. A Kapler gets its wings. <laughs> it just, it's it's like farcical because, like, do you think that uh, – who's in the front office? Is it? I, I'm sure Clintac is all about this. Is Clintac sitting there being like, ah, my pretties, we've, we've done it now. We're going to win the World Series. I doubt it. I mean <laughs> – <laughs> he's, he's like a cross between Man, Matt Clintac and the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> I don't know why he got that impersonation, but I don't know. How I'm he, melting. I'm melting. I don't know why he got that voice, but I guess I, I see him with green I, skin. I was thinking like Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Like, oh, <laughs> we'll close down the savings and loo. <laughs> we'll close down the bank. Hoskins hit his 30th homer today. That's I'll take that as a positive. Yeah, and uh, Nola got a win. Don't grow on trees. And Nola got sixteen this week. He got sixteen what? Sixteen wins. His sixteenth win didn't that come this week? That was the right. win He's against. Got four to go, right? Four to go. I think it's still doable that he gets twenty wins. Five and starts. He, but I think he's going to get twenty wins and not be the Cy Young at this point. That's that's kind of what I've resigned myself to. Hey, I checked it out. Um, the uh, Nola's French Quarter is back for the uh, the twelfth. You guys want to go? Are no. the Phillies playing? <laughs> it's a decent seat. I mean, it's a decent section. It's uh like 108, 109, and the tickets are only thirty bucks. Your sweet, sweet Nola T-shirt. It is pretty tempting. If you want to go to the baseball game with Dave, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. Because <laughs> I don't think Gene and I are going. But if you go to at Potadelphia, oh my god, Dave will, meet Dave you will there. buy you a beer. I think for to sit in that section, I need to make a a, a Gabe voodoo doll mm. to keep the Nola theme. Oh, yeah. very good, very, very good. Yeah. How funny would that be if I get in that section with like baseball with giant... baseball bat pins like jabbed in all different parts of his 
gut. And you should have him holding yeah, coconuts. Totally you should have him idea. to have have him holding coconuts. That's a totally decent like Squeeze, a burlap squeezing some coconuts. Like a giant Gabe face on it. Yeah. <laughs> With all muscles. Gabe's voodoo doll. All muscly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coconut oil. I, I love this plan. I love this plan. <laughs> you will make it onto Sports I'm Center. Not, I am not motivated enough to do that. <laughs> Sounds like a real arts and crafts project. Let's talk about the Sixers, baby. Woo. Something positive. positive. We don't need no LeBron James. We don't. We have our own very own LeBron. Baby Bron. Baby Bron. Hey, maybe we could draft LeBron's kid. He's ready to like play in the NBA, isn't he? He's like 15, right? You can draft kids at 16 now, right? So basically, LeBron has already started uh, recruiting Ben Simmons to come play for the Lakers in, uh, what, three years? That seems like... Is it less than that now? Well, that's what it seems like. I feel like that's what all of this subtext of all of the the story that I read was that they had a pickup game in New York. They We heard all through the offseason that they, they share an agent, they're friends, they probably text each other. Uh, maybe him and like the Cardassian chick and LeBron and Mrs. LeBron went out on double dates in LA, which would make me nauseous. Like the idea of like them all hanging out, but uh, they played in a pickup game between this rant and the computers. We sound so damn old. (laughs) I know they probably text each other and it's one of them. (laughs) Yeah. I swear. Gene, you said Cardassian. (laughs) (laughs) Kardashian. <laughs> like, hey, text each other. And Gabe on his computer and the ticker tape going out there. And the Get off IBM my lawn! Three whole rooms. <laughs> like, it's hard to sell the show as being hip and young when we're this damn old. Is that how we were selling it? I don't know. We're selling it to anyone who will buy it. Uh, Maybe that's how Chuck's selling it on Twitter. I mean, whoever runs the Twitter account is selling it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, G. I didn't Our mean to interrupt your social media manager. So, uh, Paul Pierce, I guess, was witness to this pickup game in New York and saw LeBron and Ben Simmons playing together. And he basically, re- I guess, said to an ESPN reporter, like, hey, those fans in Philly shouldn't be nervous because they didn't need LeBron because they've already got LeBron light or they've got the next LeBron in Ben Simmons. He's going to be that good. And. They shouldn't be upset about not getting him because for the next ten years he's gonna be, he's gonna be great. Well, he basically also inferred that uh, having LeBron here would, I don't know, like it would have been bad. Yeah, it would have been bad. It would have been a negative. Those champ. I would have been okay with those championships though. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, my only concern is I just don't want Ben to leave. Right. That's what I want. I've never felt a window of opportunity close as fast as I'm feeling the Sixers window of opportunity close. I feel like it's closing before it's even open. Exactly. Two years ago, I felt like eternal optimism. We've been waiting all this time. And this off season, I feel like it's like one of the, Oh, get your fingers out of the way. That window's closing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's so, how how long is LeBron even going to be in LA for? What do you sign a three-year contract? Yeah. He signed a three-year deal. And, and that'll put him at 36. And if years old, yeah, 36 years old. And, okay. you know, if who's going to say he's going to re up with the Lakers at that time? 
know, if he and Ben Simmons are, you know, both free agents at the same time, then maybe he comes to Philly. Maybe not, he, he doesn't. But I think just the 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 prospect pool, the the decent players that the the uh, Sixers have, you know, they might be able to bring in other free agents. So if we lose uh, a Ben Simmons, you know, or you know, we didn't land LeBron, that doesn't mean we can't bring in somebody else. That but we tried the that. We tried that. It didn't work out. I just don't even know what free agents are going to be available after this offseason. Is Clay Thompson like the big one? That's I think Clay Thompson be... is is the guy. I think that's it. So I mean, I don't know. Whatever. We'll see how. I, look, I still believe that Markel Fultz is the key. He needs to be our big free agent acquisition this year. Um, if he turns into a you know potential star, then you got your big three. But uh, outside of that, I, I'm just. I think we need to come to the terms that there's not a marquee free agent that really is dying to come play with Philly. And I, and I don't, I, I mean, maybe it's because we don't have a GM, um, which we didn't even get into, but. I, 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 so here's my uh, last, my last Sixers question going into the season, who has to have the better year this year? Is it Ben or is it Joel in order for the Sixers to progress in order for the Sixers to, because I feel like progression now is if they're not playing from you know, in the Eastern Conference final, at the very least, then we've gone backwards. If they go in to a, you know, they win 40-some games, 50 games, and get bumped after the second round again, then we've just treaded water. We haven't gained well, I don't. Ground. I don't see that path being very clear to get us to the Eastern Conference final. Why? Because Boston's uh, that much better? I think you could pretty much pencil Boston in. But you can get rid uh, of Cleveland. But now you have the Raptors to deal with, and we have to see if Kawhi Leonard is actually going to play basketball this year. Right, if he decides if he's actually he does play. decide to play basketball, we have another major problem. So and who? I, but do I, you I, think there's that other, there's other potential roadblocks as well? But basketball, more than any sport, you need to gel. So, do you think that that guy who's one year the Raptors one year rental is going to? I mean, the Raptors could the way they were constructed couldn't get past the Wizards. I'll tell you, if we got if we had Kawhi on a one year rental this year, I'd be talking about NBA finals. Yeah. I mean, you know, so take that for what it's worth. Um, I, I think Ben needs to have the better year to answer your question. If it's between Joel and Ben, like who needs to improve more, I guess is kind of how I'm interpreting that. Yeah, that's kind of what um, I was thinking. I think Ben and it's, you know, let's see what he did in the offseason. It would be interesting to see. I like well, I'll be really paying attention preseason. Um, see if he's willing to take that mid mid range jumper. If he has um, anything that resembles a mid range jumper, all of a sudden that this team becomes way more dangerous. Oh, for sure. I mean, you saw it all last year and all in the playoffs. The, people weren't even defending him. Um, they were just everyone would just collapse. Right, and be like beat us from twelve feet. So if he could do that, man, sky's the limit. And if Fultz is there and he can do the same thing, it'd be really dangerous. So you know. We'll see what happens. It'll be a it'll be an interesting October November to see how they come out of the gate. Yeah. Chuck, you want to talk some injury news? I do. Um, Andrew McDonald, uh, groin injury. I think he's going to be out six weeks. So that I mean, Ouch. never want to celebrate somebody Is that being start injured. the season. That's going to take him. Um, I think through like third week of October. So. I read somewhere that that's potentially missing eight regular season games. 
So okay. that's a that's a big opportunity for uh, Phil Myers. Okay. Um, now, who is Phil Myers? Can you give me like a primer on that? Phil Myers was um, undrafted. He was sounds great so far. Well, um, <laughs> he he was a standout in juniors, but he was undrafted, and then the Flyers invited him to uh, training camp. And then he signed a, a contract with the Flyers from there. And he's been one of the more highly touted uh, defensive prospects in the system. So Ghost wouldn't count. Ghost was probably already with the big club by that time. But it would then it would have been Proveroff and then Myers. Um, Myers is a big guy. Um, I haven't seen him play too much. I've seen little snippets here or there with the Phantoms. But this is a, a uh, an opportunity for him to maybe make this team. And if he makes the team, our our defense of the future is pretty much here. You know, we're going to have Provorov. We're going to have Sanheim. We're going to have uh, Ghost. We're going to have um, Myers. We'd have Hegg um, to a lesser extent. And then Moran uh, with the injury. But... Yeah, that's that's five young homegrown defensemen and some real talent there. So if he can make the team, uh, that could be really good for the Flyers, or is at least very interesting to is watch. Is he an offensive-minded defenseman? Not as much as um, like Sanheim, Ghost. Ghost, even Provorov. Um, he's a little more of a stay-home def- defenseman. But he's not someone like Andrew McDonald, who, you know, is is stable to his own end. So, uh, and and you need stay-at-home defensemen. You know, Everyone's you, got a problem with McDonald, right? Yeah, he's kind of like he, whipping boy. Yes, very much the whipping boy, and it it's overblown. He is a solid third pair defenseman. He he can be in your second pair if you're if he's in your second pair. You know, you probably don't have a great defense, but doesn't necessarily mean you have a bad one. He he can be in the third pair on a great defense. He is a solid defenseman who's just getting too much money. <laughs> like he, he he everyone hates his contract, and he had one real awful year here. Outside of that one year, he's been fine. He's been fine to good. the The young guys love him, and this is one of those things where again perception really pisses me off where it's oh they succeed in spite of andrew mcdonald and you know oh they they paired ghost with them it's the rookie hazing and they paired Proveroff with them it's the rookie hazing and oh sanheim too and every single one of those guys said that mcdonald helped their game that he was a I, I don't know what it is a discomforting presence if it's just you know the puck gets him behind him it's like hey I screw up too <laughs> you know welcome to the big leagues I don't know but he's been a positive influence on all of the young guys and it's been consistent that they all say it so um this is not you know grave dancing of yay Andrew McDonald's gone it's more Myers has an opportunity to make this team that he wouldn't if if McDonald was healthy. Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, something to keep an eye on. Uh, 
in the preseason. Very soon, the Flyers are going to start moving up uh, our, our itinerary here. Phillies start dropping down. So uh, I'm very excited to get the, the all the winter sports teams going. Yeah, training camp starts this week. Rookie camp starts tomorrow, I think. Yes, in beautiful Voorhees. Yes. All right. So, oh, Carter Hart watch. Yeah, okay, what's going on, Carter Hart? I heard I heard he's a, a shoe-in for the, the big club. He is. He is. Uh, <laughs> the Flyers' own Bill Meltzer more or less said, don't count on it even a little bit. Essentially, it'd be unprecedented. Alex Lyon's ahead of him. He's not going to start the year with the Flyers. So take that for what you will. <laughs> um, this old-school mentality. It's a little old-school mentality, but it's it's kind of a right one. Like, they talk about... What would uh, Gabe Kapler do? Gabe Kapler um, would have him as our starting left defenseman. <laughs> um, I don't know. Gabe Kapler probably would... You know what he would do? He would go... Hart's got the raw numbers. You know, he's he'll do just fine. Let's start him with the big club. But there's a really big human element in it. And in hockey, it it goes from position. You know, the the closer you are to your own net, the more confident you need to be. Because if you're a winger with very little defensive responsibility and you second guess yourself. All right, a guy gets behind you, but there's plenty of people to stop him. And you can learn from that, you know, maybe be you know, more confident in your decision going forward. If you're a defenseman and you're hesitant, if you're worried, if you're nervous, if the speed of the NHL intimidates you and somebody blows past you, now it's a breakaway. And you better hope the goalie stops him because if not, you second guess yourself and that's a goal. And if you get in your own head, well, then you're pretty useless out there. And goalies, of course, are the most vulnerable to it. You know, it's a fraction of a second that it takes to make the right decision to go, am I going to hug this post or am I going to jump to the other side to stop the guy who's going to get the pass? And if you stop, if you second guess yourself, if you are not fully confident in what you're doing, you're going to leave a wide open net for somebody. So I think, I think, think especially for goalies they need to be ready they need to work themselves up the you know up the different levels of competition to go right from junior to the nhl that's a hell of a difference in speed and i think you can hurt his development maybe not ruin the guy but hurt his development if you throw him into the nhl right away well, Chuck, I think you're the closest to our own goal on this team. And I screw up constantly. <laughs> I'm a I'm a bundle of nerves. You don't want that. Um Are we ready to bring this bring this show home? I think so. Let's land gonna, this baby. Are we are we gonna do Chuck's penalty box? Yes, our favorite and only recurring segment. Uh, the other ones are sporadic. We might get patterned sooner or later, but this one has been here from the beginning. Chuck's penalty of the box, and we'll start with Gene. Who's going in your penalty box? In my penalty box, Carlos Ramos. Ooh. Because 
there was no reason for him to insert himself into the U.S. Open women's final by penalizing Serena Williams for being coached from the stands. Now, Chuck, you might be able to speak to this a little better than I have, but from everything I've read, coaching from the stands, pretty common practice in tennis. Um, and certainly common enough and uncalled. It's kind of like an un... I guess there's a rule against it, but for to be called in that spot seemed an awful lot like a referee or an umpire trying to make himself the story and not necessarily the play on the court. Because I feel like if he doesn't do that... The rest of the situation doesn't escalate to where it was. Maybe he could have issued a warning to her, something, but to just, you know, or, or whatever it was. I guess he did issue a warning, but whatever whatever it was, it felt like it was way uncalled for. And I am not, I don't claim to be the biggest tennis fan, although I have on occasion dived in and, um, you know, followed a tournament here and there. I like to follow the majors. Um but this seems to me like a bunch of hooey. Uh, and Serena lost in straight sets in that one, didn't she? Yeah, so I mean, like, I feel like Serena was, was not, you know, she wasn't on her game. She wasn't, didn't have her A game that day, and maybe that a- amplified her um, her irritation. But that's not the story. The story has become, you know, she got angry, she lost control, you know, what a, what a, what a lunatic. But when it happens, when, you know, McEnroe did it. He became like a folk legend. You know, I feel like there's a double standard and it irritates me. And so that's why the referee who started all of this nonsense goes in the penalty box. All right. Carlos Ramos in the penalty box with a foot foul in the mouth. That is two minutes. Um, Actually, let's give him the game. He gave Serena a game. We're giving him a game. Game misconduct. He's out of here. Dave. Who is in your penalty box? All right. So for my penalty box submission this week, uh, I'm going back to a well of offenses. For one, Mr. Skip Bayless. And it's Mm. nothing new. Nothing new came out this week. I mean, I'm sure he said some crap that I didn't hear. But uh, I keep hearkening back to his, you know, know, love for the Dallas Cowboys and his ultimate defense of one Dak Prescott, who we are now seeing as a very, if even, pedestrian quarterback. And to even mention, to even, I don't know, bring up the concept that he could potentially be a better quarterback than Carson Wentz is just so absurd, disgusting, revolting, nauseating that Skip Bayless is just a complete windbag POS. How does this guy even have a job piece of crap on TV? So, again, Skip Bayless, you need to get called to the mat on some of this stuff. Dak Prescott, below pedestrian quarterback. Don't compare him to Carson Wentz ever again, please. Okay, Skip Bayless getting a double minor, two minutes for over-evaluating a Cowboy, and two minutes for being the lesser of the Bayless brothers. <laughs> and who you got, Chuck? The people who are going in my penalty box are number 66 truthers. These are the people who gave Josh Hosang of the Islanders all sorts of crap for wearing the number 66. And, you know, number 66 being Islanders great Mario Lemieux. (laughs) What? Oh, yes. This is a big thing. 
how dare he? How dare he be so arrogant to wear number 66? Like, it's not retired across the league. There's no, he never played for the Islanders. I was just checking. I, I yeah, no, thought I maybe missed that year that Mario Lemieux was an Islander. <laughs> maybe, maybe practice at the, like the Coliseum ones for fun. I have who knows. Always been a penguin, always wore the number 66. It's retired in Pittsburgh. Why the hell can't Josh Hosang wear it? Should every double number uh, be off the board now? You had Gretzky, Lindros, Paul Coffey. That's, is that 77? <laughs> uh, <It's> Scranton. <laughs> 55. <laughs> Who's 11? Who's 11? Messier. Um, Messier, yeah. yeah. But, but number nine is commonly available. You know, number nine, you have Gordie Howe. Cameron. You, you, you oh, have right. Cameron, who was wearing a Gordie <laughs> Howe jersey. Uh, you have uh, Bobby Hall, who is an awful human being, but a great hockey player. You have Maurice Richard. You have so many great number nines. And, you know, Provorov is wearing nine for the Flyers, and we're all like, oh, can he be our number nine? Can he be our great player? And... Josh Hosang is demonized for wearing the number 66, and he won't be wearing it this year because Lou Amarillo is with the Islanders, and he wants everyone to have low numbers and no facial hair because that's Lou Amarillo. And people are relieved that the 66 drama's <laughs> over, and I'm friggin' pissed. So I'm putting 66 truthers in the penalty box. You're getting a five-minute major for... Number overreaction. Oh, all right. Sorry, I'm late on the. Uh... I didn't. I didn't know if you're just leaving me time to come up with a better joke. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, nope. Keep trying. Keep trying. Silence. <laughs> like, is like that you... just a hockey thing that people get bent out of shape about numbers? I feel like there's lots of people that like wear eighty in the NFL. You know, um, it, hockey people get bent out of shape and. You know, I didn't bring it up in a little diatribe, but Josh Hosang is biracial. He's um, uh, part black, part uh, Asian, I think Chinese, I don't know. And, you know, a practicing Jew. And, like, so he is, is a that whole... Is real? All that it stuff? Is. Yes. Yeah. And, like, and he has a bit of a attitude, quote-unquote, which means for hockey, he's just not Canadian. Like, he doesn't say <laughs> enough pleases and thank yous. So the guy's got an attitude. Um, so there's a big old hint of, like, is this racism? And the answer is probably yes. But but hockey gets weird about things. They And I, I love the sport. It's my favorite sport. But there's a weird unwritten rules or that's not polite or how – he didn't ask Mario. He should have called and asked Mario, which I think the kid mm. did. But well, and like, why would an Islander call and ask a penguin if he can know. wear his number? Oh it doesn't God. make any sense. We should do it like we should learn something from soccer for this. We don't, you know, like the, the numbers are basically indicative of your skill level, and you're the ten on your team. Like we're not bent out of shape about numbers. Yeah, I mean, I, now I say this. I say this is like, ah, oh, ridiculous hockey people. But uh, Carter Hart was wearing number 31 uh, on a Flyers uniform 
for I think that uh, thing I mentioned before the NHL rookies whatever thing, and I I flipped my shit. I was like, no, that's Pelly's number. Yeah. That's unofficially retired with the Flyers. He will not be wearing it. He probably didn't know. But I mean, it, that is a Flyers thing. Or maybe like, he didn't. Know. But that's a, I mean, like it's one thing if you're wearing the Flyers thirty one. Like there's no stigma attached to or no thing attached to or lore attached to the Islander sixty six. Yeah, no, no, it's so yeah, it's it's all bullshit. But I I say all these it's things, stupid. but like so I you know I say all these things and go, oh, hockey's too stuck in the mud. But I'll do it too. Like there's, I'm going to throw somebody in the penalty box or like turning down a fight this season. Like, <laughs> like uh, Claude Giroux challenged Sidney Crosby to a fight after Crosby put one in the empty net up four goals to nothing. Like. I will have that penalty box and someone call me out when I do. Nice. Nice. All right, guys. I think that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, please join us next week uh, when we get to talk about a, uh, a big victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Philly's closing the gap to one game against the Braves. Everyone being healthy on the Flyers. And we finally get to see Markel Fultz's shot and it looks like butter. What do you guys think? I think you're very optimistic. I'm just in that kind of mood today. I don't know. Uh, any, any, any final thoughts? No? Please, 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 iTunes uh, uh, rate, and, and more importantly, give a review. It really helps us out. It helps other people find the show as well. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, feel free to visit our website, www.podadelphia.com. And... Um, have a great day at work. See you next week.